Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's so hard to believe we're already at episode 100. We've really been cranking away at this thing for two seasons now. Uh, it, it's been fun to get to learn the, the Tolaris experts' perspective, the supplier experts' perspective, and then you, the technology advisor's perspective. So you can really see what the whole journey of selling any of this technology is like. And you get the ups, but you also get the downs. So you really know what you're signing up for, what you're going to walk into, and really what all these opportunities are like. So Thank you so much for everybody that is tuned in. It means the world to me. I, I can't believe where we're at already with, with so many subscribers and listens and the feedback that you send to me about how this has impacted your business or how it's helped you shape your go-to-market strategy. Uh, love that feedback. And like I said, it means the world to me. So get ready. Uh, season three is coming soon. So much new stuff to come out at you. Until next time, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Here's to the next hundred. Welcome to the podcast designed to fuel your success in selling technology solutions. I'm your host, Josh Lopresto, SVP of Sales Engineering at Tolaris, and this is Next Level Biz Tech. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We are wrapping up our very special episodes here. This is actually episode 100. We've made it this far, and we're still chugging along. Thanks for listening. Today on, we've got Mr. Richard Murray, Chief Commercial Officer at Tolaris. Richard, welcome on, man. Thank you. I'm, I'm honored to be number 100. I, I feel special. <laughs> well, you better make it good then. No pressure. <laughs> uh, okay. We always kick this off. Uh, we talk about backgrounds. So tell us, I've known you a long time, so I'm going to pretend that I don't know this, but for anybody that doesn't know your background, tell us where it all started. What's, is it a windy path? Is it a straight path? How did you get here? Uh, pretty windy, um, mul multiple different uh, areas of, of ins and outs. I've been in the channel 21 years, though. So, I mean, I, I would say any introduction of my background needs to start with um, I married my high school sweetheart. We've been together 27 years, and most of what I've been able to accomplish has been because she's been patient and, and believed in a lot of the weird things that we'll probably talk about today. Um from a career development and, you know, just that path, I always thought I'd be an attorney. Like in, in high school, I, I, I did debate and, you know, I just was always geared towards being an attorney. I worked for a law office to, to get through college and somewhere in there, um, I, I was, I ended up being their, their bookkeeper and office manager and I had to make the decision for their internet service. And back then it was DSL, but that was my first exposure to this, this world. And uh, so then when I saw a job posting for uh, then U U.S. West to be a sales and marketing intern, it was my senior year of, of college, and, and I applied. I mean, I was making seven and a quarter at the law office. Killing so, it. <laughs> so just about anything would, would have uh, been a raise. Um, got, got that job, and uh, so my, my job at U.S. West, which became Quest while I was there, which is now Lumen, um, was to, to research, competitive research, which I didn't obviously know then, but would set me up perfectly for the channel multiple years later. I would get, anytime U.S. West would lose a deal to XO on PRIs, we would gather um, the pricing on that. And we ended up actually using my data, my research, uh, to change the tariff in Utah for, for PRIs. Like back then it was 1800 bucks for a PRI. Mm -hmm. um, but probably the, the funnest part of that is I actually got to use my student ID. I would go into the Public Utilities Commission, and they would just let me right into the back room, open their file cabinets for all of the companies that were filing 
to, to start providing services that would be competitive to U.S. West. And I wrote a swap. I, I would like open the folder. I would read about electric light wave level three, and then I'd write a SWOT analysis on on each one of them. And I used it both for work and. I for just my picture you project. like I picture this being very covert and like. Yeah, it was my student <laughs> ID, not my not my employee ID that got me in there. Yeah, so I I don't know that it was uh, you know. Uh, pushing the boundaries or anything, but it was definitely let's be a student here, not yeah. not an employee. So. You know, just doing that research and analyzing all of the different companies, I think, served me very well later on is, uh, as I got into the channel. Uh, fast forwarding real quick, um, th they got acquired, and I just felt like I was, uh, they, they just kept extending my position, and I didn't really have a boss. I would go in every day, say hello to Joe Branch, who, who still worked, works for Tolaris. She was at Carrier Sales. Uh, that we'll get into. Um, so I've known Joe for, you know, gosh, 20 plus years. Um, my God, yeah, 27 years, 26. Um, I, I'd say hi to Joe, check my email and go home. And I just found myself getting into bad habits. So I left, went and worked for a, a wireless ISP, which back then was like so unique. Mm -hmm. the, the line of sight internet. They had the, the 10 meg download hybrid modem, which was, yeah, it was unreal. <laughs> Throw the future. Unreal tech. <laughs> um, they went bankrupt trying to build the DSL uh, infrastructure. So I went, I went to XO and was carrying a bag as a sales rep. And, uh, it, you know, they, they were a good company for the time until they, they overextended and they got to where they had to declare bankruptcy. I don't, uh, you know, I, for time's sake, I will only share that it became a pivotal moment for me because they told us to go present this financial deck to all of our customers around, this is why we're not going bankrupt. We have Carl Icahn as our backer. We're not going bankrupt. Mm -hmm. So I go and do that uh, that that dog and pony show for, for the customers I was proposing, and then we declared bankruptcy. <laughs> and I'm a 20-something-year-old kid, 24 or something like that, and had, you know, a CFO for a major company call me and tell me he's never going to buy from me ever again. Didn't matter where I went. Question my integrity. I was like, all right, I am not cut out for this. Yeah. I am not sales. And in the, in the course of that bankruptcy, um, a ton of direct reps that I worked with that are now incredible partners in the community, you know, some of our top sales, uh, sales reps um, all left and, and became partners for you know, in, in many cases for a company called Carrier Sales. And uh, that's where you and I met much later, a decade later than that. Um, and so Blake Darling, one of, one of our top partners, he and I were the same hiring class at XO. I used to build his proposals because he was great at cold calling. I was not, and, <laughs> and I would do the proposals and Excel work. Um, he got me an interview. They didn't even look at my resume. Sat down with Glad Hill, and he said, "You're hired." <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Glad Hill. And uh, you know, so I think you know, making forty grand a year, um, lo losing you know a good commission job, but it was it was steady. And then I just worked second you know, second jobs to to hold it together there for a few years. So that's the that's the core of the background. Love it, and and that's where. Our path kind of came together was Glad Hills Startup was another company that I was there, and we were all maybe 10 or 15 employees altogether, shared office space. So so walk us through then, 
take that back away, you know, on, how did we get to kind of where we're at now? For anybody that doesn't know the history that transpired from then to, to 2023. Yeah, so I had, uh, you know, I started as general manager, but it was it was three employees when I joined. And um, so pretty quickly, I, I was able to, to get on a profit sharing agreement which, you know, meant that, hey, I might make an extra two grand. <laughs> it was just so small at the time. But we kept building, kept growing. Um, one of the, you fast forward a little bit, one of the partners left. We had to spin out our um, CenturyLink business. I think it was still Quest at the time. I became part owner of that company and was running that while um, was general manager of the, of the other side. As we continue to grow, um, now it's just the one partner, and he was investing in your company mm-hmm. and the place you were working at and taking all of the carrier sales profits to go fund <laughs> Sorry that. about that. Sorry about <laughs> yeah. that. Um, and so we were just really kind of floating. I mean, we were growing, but it was just sheer, you know, hard work, determination, 80-hour weeks kind of thing. I mean, I was doing everything from quoting to commissions. Um, I, I was writing the checks, all of it. And uh, so we were growing in spite of ourselves um, while he was funding over here. At the same time, I was on a profit-sharing agreement, and I just kept saving that money. Um, had the opportunity um, to, to acquire a couple other little smaller companies that the, the founders of Carrier Sales didn't want to do. I took it to them first. They didn't want it, and so I figured out a way to do it. Um, over time, just got to where I was able to own a little bit more of the company, and then um, I got to a, a point where they kept telling me that, hey, you're going to own all of carrier sales. We know that this is yours. I mean, he got to where he was just looking at tax returns, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't, he didn't even know the quarterlies. It was tax return time. He'd, oh, go oh, great. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, and I just said, look, I'll give you a year's notice. I'm, I'm done just kind of treading water here. I want to grow. I want to do something. I'm still, you know, very young at that time. And, uh, and I said, so, you know, I'll go take the, the CenturyLink business and go grow that. Um, honestly, in the back of my mind was maybe I'll take it to Tolaris and go grow it there. Um, but, you know, that, that woke him up to the fact that, okay, it was time. And so we came up with what was a fair price. And uh, that, that was when I called you. Um, you had left the sister company and were out doing, like, tech support for some kind yeah. of really the biotech company down in Salt Lake, yeah. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I gave you a call and, and convinced you to, to come over. I, I, I hope we'll get into that story a little bit later, but so I won't go too far into it. Now, Let's but. get into it right now. All right. Uh, because the next part is about kind of insights for entrepreneurs and kind of looking beyond. Um, I remember this phone call, like it was yesterday and I've told this story a number of times where to your point, yes, I'd left. The startup had kind of never really started up. And so I went and got what I thought was this awesome job at this biotech company down in Salt Lake. And I got this call. I think it had been all of three weeks. And I absolutely hated where I had gone and didn't realize I kind of loved what I did before getting into this telco and cloud and all of this stuff, all of this space. And I think you called me up and said, hey, um, you know, we should have talked more when you left. Uh, I got big plans. I'm going to buy the guy out, buy the old guy out. Uh, come back and, and, you know, be the first person I hire after this transaction. And I said, okay. And you made me an offer on the weekend, and I walked in the other place on a Monday, and I think quit on the spot. Uh, and then I think we started Tuesday, and that was 
2013. That's how I remember the story, at least. Hopefully that's accurate, because I've told that story quite a few times. I, I have some fill-ins that I, I thought about. Um, you, you know, I, I remember having a number in mind, right, and going to you. I, I, I feel like it was 55K. I, I apologize for talking numbers, but <laughs> I feel like it was 55, and you're like, oh, I need it to be 65. And I, I like, I remember, because it was just a different time. I remember going home and talking to my wife about, hey, I, I know we, we had planned on upgrading the minivan, <laughs> but I got to get Josh here. That's going to take the 5K to get it done. I, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. I'm probably off on the numbers, I but I remember that. some level of, it wasn't negotiation as much as it was just, okay, this is what I can do. And you're yeah. like, okay, I, I've got to pay the bills. And, yeah. and so we figured it out. I love it. Uh, we'll come back to that more. Uh, I, I want to talk about a lesson that this is about building relationships, right? The, you know, the, the, the goal of this track, right, these special last three episodes as we get to episode 100 here is about helping our partners have some insight into things that they're going to go through, things that as they go to build their business, problems, successes. And I think hearing from leadership at Tolaris, I think this stuff is, is incredibly valuable. So I want to talk about cultivating relationships. Um, you know, you've cultivated, obviously, a lot of relationships in the channel. You've been in the channel 20-plus years with the suppliers, with the partners, can you share with us what I would call the R. Murray philosophy on building and maintaining key relationships? The R. Murray. Um, look, I, I'll start with acknowledging everybody's different in their approach. Mine, I think, is is unique, and that's been been helpful um, for for me, for the company. I think for you know, extended to our advisors and partners. I think at its core is you have to care about others' success, and so you know whether you're dealing with a partner or in, in my specific role now and, and for the last 20 years, I, I really do care that the suppliers I'm working with are successful as well. Uh, yes, I want to win. I want to negotiate and do well, but I can't you know get a supplier to pay me 50% knowing that it's going to bankrupt them or, or have an unprofitable channel. I care about them growing and succeeding. No, I don't, I don't carry a quota. I don't care about quotas anymore, but at the end of the day, I've got a channel manager that I cared about. I'm going to do what I can to, to help them succeed. But you can't fake it. You can't fake that you care about somebody. You either do or you don't. And there are, look, there are suppliers over the years that I've not cared about, and I don't fake it either. Yeah. Um, so I do think you have to care. I think the other element of is just how you communicate with them um, because you care. And, you know, th there's a supplier. I found this out. Probably it, it had been around for a couple of years. Um, there, there's a very prominent supplier that we do a lot with, and a lot of that, the, the core leadership from a decade to five years ago is all left, and they're all at other companies now. And one of them told me that, that internally as a team, they had actually started using the phrase that you've been married. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I hope that's not awful. Please explain that to me. And he said, no, basically it's just it, it's a – it was their shorthand for you've been politely told that you suck. <laughs> and, and so my approach to building a relationship, especially with suppliers, is, look, I sit on a lot of advisory councils, and I work really hard to be prepared for those. There's a reality. I get dumber every day in terms of, of, of the delivery of a service. But we have an incredible team that lives and experiences that all the time. And so gather all of that information and then I'm not going to go to an advisory council and, and not tell the truth. That doesn't help them get better. If I, if I don't care about them, then I'm probably either not at the advisory council or maybe I won't be as, as forthright. But if I care about the, the supplier, about the people there, 
I'm going to hammer them with with details and data and and go at it. But I'm going to do it in a nice, polite way because that that's how I try, yeah. try to do it. That has legs. That that gives them something they can take to their peers, their leadership, and go go do something actionable with it. Yeah. No, it's good. Uh, all right, let's talk about insights, some insights for the partners out there, right? Obviously, the, the partners, they're entrepreneurs, they're out there thriving and growing, but, you know, you've got this diverse experience. Uh, what critical advice would you offer these partners that are out there? What, they, what do they need to succeed in today's market? A couple. I, I think one ties into the relationships um, as well as just for our partners is, is don't burn bridges. Right. There are a lot of people out there that, that'll burn a bridge. Like, let, let's say there's a channel manager that, that does you bad at supplier X and you don't care about that supplier so much. So you, you just you shout them down or, you, you know, you, 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 you do something that, that hurts mm-hmm. the relationship. They're going to end up at another supplier. And, and if you've burnt that bridge, they're not going to help you there. I mean, th- that applies to hopefully the suppliers that are listening to this, too, is, is my wife knows that in this world, you do not burn the bridges. Like, I'll tell her stories of somebody doing something stupid. She's like, they, they don't know the lesson. You don't burn bridges. Mm-hmm. We all, this is a family. This is a tight community. They, everybody knows everybody. So you've, you've got to, to be cautious about that. I think beyond that, though, just in terms of thinking about your business, you've got to know what you're good at. What are you special at? And then bring in others to fill in the gaps. There's a reality of why I reached out to you. I knew I wasn't as technical as I was going to need to be for the, the new coming services. And so I brought in others. And I, I think, you know, many partners are, are world-class at what they do. And um, I've seen many bring in teams around them, but others just stay, you know, this is what I do. And, and they don't bring in others or, or they're, they're hesitant to even reach out to you and your team to, to help fill in their gaps. They, they just ignore and pretend that, that that side doesn't exist. And I don't think you can do that in this world. I think you've got to bring people in um, to, to help you do that. And look, sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that means you've got to have honest reflection and, and just be brutally honest with yourself around, yeah, I'm not very good at that. Or, hey, I'm, I'm okay at a lot of things. I'm a, I'm a good generalist, but I'm not, I'm not exceptional at everything and so you know where can i bring in exceptional people around me to 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 move forward faster yeah it's a good point too and i think that's one of the i think that's one of the biggest life lessons you've taught me along the way is i know you're going to read something i know somebody's going to say something and you're going to hear something and you're going to want to react this way don't just pause it's okay to react it's okay to have emotion but to your point this is a small community everybody needs everybody that person tomorrow might be you might need to employ them. They might be your boss or somewhere in the middle of that. And you, you burn a bridge in this space. Um, it's not great. And I think that is such a huge lesson for everybody to take note of, right? Whether that's customer impacting or supplier or whatever it is. Um, I just huge double down on that lesson. That, I love that. One. That, that That's part of the R. Murray approach, right? <laughs> like I, I don't think people understand, like, I, I think internally in my mind, like, in here, I'm a raging lunatic sometimes. Like the, the emotion is there. I've just learned to to shield it and, and harness it and bring it out in a more impactful way. Fair. Uh, let's talk about vision. Um, you know, you, you've seen this industry evolve. And to your point, you were, you've always been looking out here, right? When it might look like this right now, you're looking out here. If you look at that right now, what, 
what would you tell the partners? Maybe I'm a partner that's come in and maybe I've never sold any of this stuff before and I want to be a partner. Maybe I'm a partner that I've just, I've been selling one thing and I'm, I'm listening to this podcast, kind of learning how to move into other technology areas. Um, what, what future trends would you tell our partners to be aware of? And then how do you feel we're helping them prepare for that? Okay. Um, well, first of all, I think as I looked at the list of all the different topics that you've covered, I mean, those are all the emerging technology. I mean, first of all, just reflect on where, where this is. This industry is awesome. Number one, like what other industry can you say started in, in when I came in, it was long distance. And now we're talking about AI. <laughs> and everything in between. And so there's a reality if, if you're new to the, the, the market, you're new to the agency model, um, you know, and, and even tying it into our previous conversation, you can't do it all. You can't know every technology. And so focus on what you're good at, bring it, which is in most cases, you're good at relationships, which then means bring in others to, to help have the technical conversations. Now, obviously, that's what Tolaris is focused on doing. Our, I mean, our, I think our entire um, conversation to partners has been, how do we help you grow your business? And over time, that has evolved on what that looks like. And we've tried to bring in extra resources. You know, in the early years, it was you just helping the guys that had only sold network. You, you would go out on appointments and or jump on phone calls to, you know, back then it was like the early days of contact center. And mm -hmm. how do we help you have that conversation? Um, so, you know, if you're new there, it, the techno, we don't know what technology is going to be here in three years, in five years that we're going to be able to sell. But I do know that we're heavily focused on continually staying in front of that, just like we were when we, we painted towards contact center. No one had a contact center channel yeah. when, when you came on. We built that together with NICE and, and then with 5.9 and Genesis. They saw what was going. They came in. I think the same thing's happening with, with AI. Many of our suppliers are plugging AI into what they do. We're signing many AI suppliers, but we don't know what AI is going to be driving and what it's going to be capable of in two or three years. So we have people that are focused on that and we'll continue to build around it. Good. All right, so let's look back at your journey. What, um, you know, what do you feel some of these pivotal, pivotal moments or decisions that really shaped your path going from being an employee to a business owner and now chief commercial officer? Um, yeah, so many. Um, you know, I I look back at, at, at that time or, or at my journey, I think back in some of the difficult times of carrier sales, I, I can't tell you how many times I almost left. Like this, this is frustrating. We're not, you know, we're not doing, gr growing the way that I want. We're not keeping up with IntelliSys. You know, I mean, all of these things. Um, I'm not making enough money. Like I had a second job for the first decade of this. Like I was doing books for the law office that I talked about it in the opening forever. Um, and, and so, you know, I chose to stay and, and to build something. And so, you know, th that obviously was a pivotal uh, or multiple pivotal times of, of making that choice. And, and that was just because I believed in what we were doing. I didn't like the results of where we were, but I believed in, in, in what the core was overall. And I think along the way, something that's been helpful for me that I've tried to talk to others about is whether it's your business or not, you're a leader or not, treat it like you are. Treat it like your business. And, and I think because I did, it, it, it made it so ev eventually. Um, took longer than I wanted it to. Um, 
but you know, I never treated that as an eight to five. And, and I think, you know, now as a larger employer, you have to be kind of careful and, you know, I can't go tell my employees, Hey, yeah. you, you need to put in 80 hours a week to, you know, to do your job that, that I can't do that. But in a podcast and, and with partners, I can say, look, if you're working for a partner, you're working for a company, your job is eight to five. And, and I know you and I have talked about this. Your career is everything you do after. And most of anything good that I've ever accomplished for carrier sales or for Tolaris has been after hours, off the site, whether it's me staying up all night, working weekends, building a new process, building a spreadsheet, building something that allowed us to move it forward. Those weren't done during the core times. And it was that extra sweat equity that, that helped uh, propel me and others forward. Love it. Act like an owner. Uh, all right. Let's talk about mentorship. Um, you know, one of the things that I think I've learned along the way has been how critical it's arguably one of the most rewarding, but it's arguably at the same token, one of the hardest things you ever do, which is I think the hiring process. Right. So, so my question is about a, a little bit about mentorship, right? I want to get into kind of what do you find rewarding into that, into that process? Cause I think our partners are going to go through this, right? Uh, we talk about some of them are solopreneurs that don't have a desire to hire and they, they lean on us for a ton of resources, which we absolutely love. And then some say, you know what, I want to bring one or two of those kind of resources in house. So if I, if we flash back, um, you know, you and I had worked together in, in, in this, in the beginning, but you know, I was a recovering car mechanic that had stumbled into technology. You clearly saw something that, um, maybe I didn't things that I didn't know I was capable of. Right. So as you kind of reflect back on that, you had a vision that others maybe didn't have. So how do you look at that mentorship, picking talent? How do you how do you advise on that? Oh, so many pieces of this. First of all, I would say I, I never set out to be a mentor. Um, I, I never I don't view myself in, in that light. I don't feel like I'm so wise or so smart or I've accomplished anything that that, that I'm in a position to tell people what to do or to help. But yet I've been sought out to, to tell people what to do and to help. And so I've tried to embrace it. I mean, there's a, an element of it where there's a big part of it. It's just me trying to give back. I, I've had great mentors. I've, I've had people that have, um, you know, helped and embrace and, and teach me things. Um, and I think you need multiple mentors in, in your life at different stages of where you are. And, um, you know, many of my early mentors, I would now consider more friends uh, it's not that I don't still learn from them, but, you know, the, the size of our company is now at the size of what they, you know, yeah. where they were. And so they're probably not teaching me company stuff as much. Um, but, gosh, I look at, uh, you know, from a pay-it-back standpoint, you know, I, I consider Rick Deller a mentor. He may not know this, but I I, I remember um, I felt like Carousels was doing pretty good, and, and Rick and I would help negotiate. We, we would work together to negotiate some, some of the contracts back then, particularly CenturyLink, where Carousels was very, very strong. And I remember kind of doing it, you know, hey, what's the next stage? What should I be doing? And he asked me, well, what's your revenue at? And I, I felt like, hey, we're doing good enough. I'm now confident enough. I'll tell you what it is. And I, I'm not positive on the number, but I believe it was $38 million. And he kind of, he didn't really do this, but it, he, as I reflect back, he kind of patted me on top of the head. <laughs> he said, that's cute, you know, but, but I remember him telling me, remember when, when you get to 50 million, 
then things start to change. And so get ready for this. You've got to start thinking about scale and all of these other things that start. Now, I mean, we're so many multiples past that. It's kind of funny to reflect back yeah. to, to that time. Um, but, you know, anytime I could take the opportunity with a partner, with, with somebody on a supplier and have future-looking conversations, give them perspective that they don't have, um, that, then I'm happy to do it. In terms of um, identifying talent and then, you know, being a mentor in that, um, look, I'm a big believer in books as mentors in some cases, but I, I am also very cautious to not over-index to any one book. There, there are, however, a couple that I think have been super impactful for me. One is, is a, a book that I have a, I have a case in my, in my office uh, called Love is the Killer App. And, um, you know, the core principle of that is just uh, take care of others, even if that means introducing others together in a way that doesn't benefit you, and the universe has a way of taking care of you in all of that. Um, and so I've always tried to, to live and follow that um, first as a principle. Second is I, I actually never read his book. I still have it, but I remember his speech, and it's a, a gentleman by the name of Harvey McKay. Now, most people don't know who Harvey McKay is, but the, where he spoke was at the same place that Tony Robbins spoke. Like Tony Robbins was on stage, and then I think, Harvey came on it, it doesn't matter the order. But so he, he was a big deal at the time. And the only thing I remember from him um, was was talking about how back, you know, the, he was older at the time. I don't even know if cell phones were that prominent. I mean, they were around, but not prominent. He would write, his, if he saw something in somebody, a hotel clerk, a, a, a waitress, he would write his personal number on the back of his business card, hand it to him, say, if you're ever looking for a job, please give me a call. And the core of that is he was always looking for, for it in people. And, and I think, you know, to embarrass you a little bit if I can, I just felt like there was that. There, there was it. And, and, you know, to try to specify what it looks like, I, I think it comes in multiple forms. I mean, yes, you have to have capacity. There has to be the capacity to do good. Um, but for me, it's, it's drive. It's, it's the, the, you know, what I, what I saw in you and what I've always seen in you is a desire to continue to learn, to, to challenge yourself, to, to never be, you know, okay with where I am today. It's where do I need to be in the future? And in some cases that's meant not always, you know, awesome conversations between the two of us over the years mm -hmm. to say, what lack I, right? And, and I remember one in particular, um, I hope it's okay that I get this. <laughs> oh, I know you're going. Sure. Bring it up. Well, maybe. I, do it. Um, I, I remember one where it was kind of like, hey, I, I want to do more. I, I want to make more money. Um, and I can't remember what you asked for. I just remember you asked for something. I'm like, you're not, you're not quite ready for that. I believe it was, uh, I'd like to take over the company well, when you're ready. <laughs> and you were like, mm, maybe not yet. Uh, I'm going to be around a little while. But here's what I loved. I loved the question and, and the desire that was in there. You were treating it as your own. You wanted it to be your own. And the reality is we've, we've all grown so much that we've, act, we've actually, we're all, you and I are doing way more now and at a level now than what we ever thought of then because we were a small company, Right. But I do remember the question, and what I more remember is is thinking about my answer and what that that almost challenging conversation brought us to was it helped me identify opportunities to put in your path 
to go help round you out. So um, I, I don't remember the exact timing, but somewhere along the way, we had the opportunity to acquire a small VAR. And this was when VARs were, were you know, we were still trying to figure out how VARs fit into the, the, the partner community. into the ch- Why weren't they coming over the residual? Mm-hmm. And so we bought it, and I basically handed you the business unit. And I said, okay, learn P&Ls, learn, learn balance sheets. You deal with the drama. You get to make, you know, the overriding decisions. And we were just kind of the managing company for that bar. They yep. were still running off on their own. But I've got to imagine you learned a thousand oh, lessons. Tons. I don't know. I don't know that I could even spell PL before that. Um, but yeah, I think like, you know, for partners that, that are listening, I just think it's you're you're right. I think you painted a good picture. Identify and then give others an opportunity to to figure out where they might not even know that they have skills yet. Well, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't know first of all, I didn't know that I wasn't rounded out. So being self aware is important. But uh, you know, you you could have spun that one of two ways. You could have said, mm, no, sorry, go away. Or you could have gone the way that you did, which is, hey, you know what? All right, cool. I'll, I'll, let's help get you uh, more rounded out on the business side. And yeah, that I learned so much, so much uh, in those years that now, obviously, that's that's benefited me to be able to help here at a much more uh, much more dramatic scale. So, well, yeah. I think it's made you a better boss. I mean, your your team loves working for you. I think it gave you you know different perspectives um, that that has benefited both of us. Love it. Awesome stuff. Um, let's talk about, um, personal growth. Let's talk about development. So, so how do you, uh, focuses for you of how you stay growing and innovative in your role, right? I mean, I feel like we're in an industry that is just innovating every hour, right? And we've got to stay in tune. Is this next thing down the road, the next greatest thing? And we're just going to miss out if we don't get it. So help us understand how you stay innovative. How should partners stay innovative and any thought leaders or anything, any resources that you want to throw out? Yeah, I mean, I think we, we covered a big part of it with, with mentors. I mean, there's a reality now that Tolaris, at the size that we are, there's not many mentors in our industry that I can now go yeah. to and go say, help me. You know, there are mentors maybe outside of the industry, people that have, have done other large, you know, industries that have rolled up and things like that that can give me perspective. Um, but in the absence of that, I think that um, – Partners should be. I, I'm a I'm a big lover of of podcasts, yours and others. Um, Adam and I have both uh, kind of fallen into a, a podcast called the Founders Podcast. That he and I will, you know, I will listen to. A, usually on a weekend, I'll listen to three or four, like you know, Saturday listening kind of thing. And then he and I, I'll tell him, hey, this was a great one. Go listen to it, and then we'll compare notes. And so it's almost learning. You know, gosh, one of them like was Mark Twain, and what can you learn from Mark Twain's life that then and apply it? And I promise you, there is. There's always applicability. Um, you know, wh- whether it's a Steve Jobs and all of those things, um, I think there, are, whether it's books, podcasts, whatever. There's just information that if you're continually challenging yourself from outside, and then working to apply it in into our realm, which is super unique. What we do is super unique. My family still doesn't know what I do. <laughs> Nobody knows what we do. But there's applicability in all those other Yeah, industries. there's parallels, right? These guys are going to go through struggles of building things and how what, what, what are the nuggets that you can pull from that. So good good stuff. All right, final couple thoughts here. Uh, I, I want to talk. Let's, um, you know, you, you've obviously been critical, and I'm forever grateful of how you've helped shape my life, but, you know, also our, our company and the channel. If you, if you fast forward 10-plus years, and then you snap back and look at, you know, what 
what's the legacy that you want to say, I, I, I did that, or I impacted this, or, or I helped here? Is there anything that you want to call out? Oh, um, you know, my, my mind goes to a Steve, I think it's a Steve Jobs quote. Uh, you, can, you can't connect the, can't connect the dots forward. You can only connect the dots backwards. So it's, it's hard to predict what I'll see in 10 years from, from where the time I am now. But what I hope my, you know, what, what I've left in this channel um, is, you, you know, I close Partner Summit every year. Adam, Adam opens, he does the big state of the business and everything, and I close it. And um, for me, I I'm, I'm not good at saying things I don't believe in. I, it, I either don't say something or I, I just, it's just out there. It's got to be genuine for me. And so I hope that, you know, that my, my messages of, of gratitude uh, to the community as a, as a whole, to gratitude to the partners, um, gratitude to suppliers, um, and, and my message of and, and trying to create a, a community in the channel. That, to me, you know, this is a three-legged stool. We, we absolutely need partners for, for us to succeed, but I believe that Polaris and even our competitors play a role in their success, and then we need the suppliers there. And so, you know, I, I hope that, you know, our, many of your listeners, type A sales rep partners, they're wired, and, and I love them for it. They're wired to think they are the reason they're successful, and they are. <laughs> but it's all of us together that makes us more successful. Um, I'm hyper-competitive. I always want to win, but I don't want others to lose. I just want to be that much better. And, and so I, I, I hope as a, you know, as a channel, we, we all drive more towards that. Well said. Uh, all right, final thoughts here. Let's talk about some advice for partners. So we've talked a lot about mentorship, about business building, and about hiring, and, and you know, strife, and all of these things that happen. Uh, take all that into consideration as, as you've helped partners and, and all these different people shape their course in life, their trajectory, their business. Any final advice there for the audience, for those partners that are listening or maybe even considering being partners? Um, you know, a lot of partners will ask, hey, what are the others doing to be successful? And I think it's the wrong question. Um, I, I think, you know, if I look at myself and, and what I would tell partners to go strive to do, um, you're most successful when you're 100% yourself. And... Um, and what makes you unique and what you're, what you're exceptional at. I mean, I've already talked about bringing in others to fill in the gaps. But the, the more we water ourselves down by trying to do things that we're not special at, um, I, I think it slows down our speed. And, and it, you're going to ebb and flow, right? Comfort is in the middle. Comfort is just kind of floating along in the middle. But success is out on the edge. And so when we're on the edge, we're, we're doing what we do uniquely um, that, that's, you know, a lesson I've had to learn over and over in my life because you see a little success, you float to the middle, you float to comfort for a little while, and then you kick yourself and you say, no, I want to go drive for something. Well, what's that next thing? And so, um, again, it takes being you know, reflective on where you are. It takes being honest with yourself. Candidly, I, I think there's an element you have to be honest with your inner circle about where you are with, with that as well. I mentioned my wife at the beginning of that. There's times I've not been a great father and husband. Um, you know, my, I, 
I've told this story in, in other venues. Um, I missed a good chunk of my son's baby food stage. And she was patient. I didn't even know I missed it until my third kid came along. And, and I kind of said to my wife, hey, did Sam skip? I mean, he's 6'5". He's a huge kid, right? Yeah. Did he skip f- straight from mushy food to, to solids? She's like, no, you just weren't here. <laughs> Ouch. So balance is important, you say. Well, well <laughs> balance and time, right? There are times you've got to just roll yeah. up your sleeves and go be it. But what I learned over the years was to be more communicative with my wife around where I was at that stage. So, for example, um, look, some of the hardest times in, in my career have been I'm going to go acquire a company. I can't tell you how many times I've put my house on the line to, to, to go get to where we are. And, um, hey, this deal is going to take three months. You know, it'll take me a month to negotiate it, get it done, another couple of months to get it going. And I would just tell her, I'm going to suck for a little while. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but at least she knew what the path was yeah. and what the goal was and what, you know, the, the timeline on it. She, she knew I wasn't just purposefully being a jerk. It's good stuff. There's so many life lessons in here. Uh, I'm questioned out. Richard, thanks for, uh, thanks for all you've done, all you've done for me, all you've done for the community, the partners, Tolaris and everybody, but uh, especially thanks for coming on, helping us wrap up episode 100. Excellent. Thank you. Happy to be here. All right, everybody, that wraps us up for today. I'm your host, Josh Lepresto, SVP of Sales Engineering at Tolaris, Richard Murray, Chief Commercial Officer. Until next time, this has been Business Blueprints, Lessons for Leaders. Next Level BizTech has been a production of Tolaris Studio 19. Please visit tolaris.com for more information.